Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. As much as we might like to make food from scratch all the time, this isn't always possible and having those store cupboard essentials can be a real lifesaver. Parents can now rejoice as Yo Valley is here to help with their new little Yo pouches, helping to take the hassle out of feeding time. Not only does this make life easier for you, it's also done in a sustainable way as these pouches are recyclable. In doing so, helping to reduce the amount of materials that we're both extracting and adding to the earth. Available in two delicious flavors, the red berries and apple and pear, the little Yo pouches are sure to keep children satisfied and full. To find out more, head to yovalley.co.uk and find it in your local supermarkets. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought, a podcast that's on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. It'll be no surprise that people who have desk jobs tend to have a higher tendency to gain weight than an always-on-your-feet type of role. Deadlines, working from home, and endless commitments can become all-consuming with convenience, often driving our relationship with food, not forgetting all that baking that we're now doing at home and snack drawers that are full. Thankfully, there are easy ways to control the influence that work is having on your weight, This week's Food for Thought sees registered nutritionist Dr. Amelia Thompson and I explore how you can manage your weight, combat stress, and hopefully boost your mood while working. Hello, Amelia. Hi. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for coming on Food for Thought today. It's a topic that I know a lot of people are going to want to hear um, some truths behind. And I'm going to start today's episode by saying that, first of all, weight is of course extremely sensitive and it's individual and the language I think that we use is quite interesting when we discuss something like weight. So obviously we can't attribute it to one specific reason but how strong do you think the link is between um, I guess being stressed then because I suppose stress must have a huge impact on people's lives. Yeah, and again, there there is research in regards to to work stress, and we know that the kind of level of work stress that people perceive. So obviously, this is very qualitative. This is self-reported stress. It's not a quantitative measure per se, but we know that that does correlate with weight gain. Um, interestingly, actually, it tends to be a stronger correlation in people who are actually already overweight. And when I use this term 
overweight and obese mm. I am talking about that kind of crude BMI measure which does give us some indication of body composition so actually those people in the kind of overweight or obese categories to begin with who then experience stress actually tend to struggle more and and it leads to more weight gain than those people who already maintain what we'd call a quote-unquote healthy weight. Yeah, that's so interesting because, I mean, you mentioned BMI and we know that, um, and we've discussed this multiple times on the podcast, that it's not always the most accurate measure, but we should also acknowledge, I guess, that stress at work can impact on some people perhaps going the other way and actually eating less as well, couldn't it? Yeah, and I think that often tends to be more of a short-term response where we get that initial stress response, where we get that increase in cortisol and we have um, what we call sympathetic dominance. So we fall into that fight or flight mode and that short-term response does tend to reduce our hunger levels and we tend to eat less. And I think more chronically what we find with people who have a lower body weight in response to stress are those people that use food almost as a way to control something when they feel very out of control potentially in their work environment so the stress is impacting their work environment they feel uncertain and so they then fall to food to kind of find that certainty and i think that's often where we find that reduction in body weight um but predominantly it does tend to be longer term when we're looking at more chronic changes it does tend to be people actually do gain weight in response to these work stressors yeah, of course. And do you think there's a gender thing going on as well, perhaps a different way that men and women um, tend to react? Yeah, I think so. Again, when we look at kind of coping mechanisms for men and women, um, the women tend to, to turn more towards food and men tend to turn more towards alcohol or smoking. Mm. So and there was a study that looked at men and women that looked at obesity and, and stress-related eating. And actually there was only a relationship found in the women and actually men didn't have this relationship between stress and obesity. So it may, it's not that that women are unhealthier per se, because you know if men are turning to things like alcohol or smoking, that's not necessarily healthier, but it's just that they, they tend to fall towards you know different coping mechanisms than women. So this does tend to be more focused in women at least in terms of stress and, and the workplace yeah i mean <laughs> it, it's it's so hard i think in general a topic like this because everybody does have coping strategies that are of course unique to them but i get so many questions on a day-to-day -day basis on the retrition platforms about um arguments with colleagues at work um the sweet jar that goes around the office the the hours i guess that we work are becoming longer and longer i mean do you think it's important that we're we're physically taking proper breaks then and we don't perhaps work and do overtime work too regularly yeah i think it's it's really important i think that there i think this is actually a shift that we've seen a lot in lockdown even with working at home is that yeah. there has been this kind of reduction in desire to take breaks and whether that's be that's through a fear of losing jobs for example and or just kind of having a lack of personal boundaries we are falling into just working more and more and and that has a huge impact in terms of not only our ability to to move and our energy expenditure and, and, you know, when we're looking at weight per se, that's really what we're looking at is energy balance. So energy expenditure mm -hmm. and energy intake. But it also impacts our ability to, for example, take take a lunch break and we become less mindful of what we're doing. We tend to snack on the go and our our mindful eating practices really take a hit. So we eat at our desks and all, almost don't really acknowledge what we're actually eating. So 
this kind of desire to, whether it's fear-based desire or or something else, stress-based, um, this, this this kind of constant working without a break can really impact um, our health in, in so many ways. I think it also impacts sleep. I mean, I know that um, at the moment I'm struggling with my work-life balance a little bit, having my, my little boy, and even just not kind of taking any you time, but working in your you time. I, it's really hard because the more tired we are, I think our dietary choices do change, don't they? I mean, there, there's studies that our, our ghrelin and our leptin, so our, our hunger signals that tell us when we're full and are hungry, are impacted by feeling fatigue as well, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. We have physiological changes, like you said, where, you know, especially ghrelin is increased with lack of sleep. Um, but then we also have this kind of concept of decision fatigue and um, this kind of running out of willpower per se and I use willpower as a kind of um, mm. crude term of terms of our self-control but you know as we are as we become more tired we do we see this a lot in people who diet we do fall into this kind of idea of decision fatigue where we have made so many kind of quote unquote good choices throughout the day that when we become tired and stressed our ability to then make those good choices starts to dissipate and we do find ourselves going for what we would call kind of the easy options and that's why I think it's so important that we actually we're aware of it so we can have easy strategies in place to avoid the impact of things like tiredness and stress on our decisions. Yeah having a break it, there's so so much to be said for it and it's so it's hard because I think in the current climate we're recording this podcast in because um, obviously some people may be listening to this at another time, but it's there's a global pandemic and people are working from home a lot more. And it's quite difficult, isn't it, to implement a bit of a break because you feel like you've got no excuse. You're almost glued to smashing it out on the computer, I suppose. So what would be your top tip to somebody to um, perhaps balance out the diet and the exercise when they are working from home? I think the key is is maintaining some sort of boundaries and knowing what your personal boundaries are. And something that I encourage all of my clients to do is to actually physically write out their boundaries that, you know, state, for example, I need to move, you know, for five minutes every hour, say. And, you know, even if you're really busy, you have that boundary written down that you know for for your values and your goals that that five minutes per hour is really important for you, where you go for a walk or you do some stretching or even things you know if you're if you're in the house this is a little bit more difficult but when you're in the office um setting kind of goals that say i will use the the bathroom that's further away or using a printer that's further away i think it they seem very small but when you add them all together it allows you just to kind of keep moving and allow you to develop these very small habits that all culminate in, in a much healthier um, working environment, be that at work or in the office. And also putting them in your diary is really helpful. You know, in my diary, I will diarise out time for the gym or for a five minute, even a five minute mobility break in the morning. I'll, I'll have that in the diary because often we're so accountable to other people, but we're also very accountable to our diaries. And so having it in there holds you, holds you accountable to yourself. Yeah, completely. Um, we had a podcast recently uh, where our guest, Dr. David Hamilton, said you have to put in diarise note to self. Take some time for self into your diary because if yeah. you don't do it, it, it's it's really, really difficult. That's how um, crazy I think the modern world has become in a way. And for many, work can mean you're obviously sitting down for a lot of a time in the day. And 
I do feel this can have an impact, I mean, on perhaps gut health, um, digestion, but do you want to delve into why sitting down too long could be a bit detrimental perhaps to people's health and what they can do to adopt maybe more positive habits there? Sure. So there have been a lot of prospective studies that have looked at the impact of of sitting on on overall health. And we know that it's actually the amount of time that is sitting as opposed to um, amount of time exercising per se that actually increases overall risk of cardiovascular disease. um, Predominantly, that's what the research is looking at, Mm. but ultimately, therefore, mortality. And um, the risk has increased about 50% among those who sit for more than 10 to 12 hours per day compared to those who sit less. So if we think about that in terms of our work environment, maybe we're sitting for eight or nine hours per day and then come home or stay at home as the case may be at the moment and sit down with our families to have family dinner and then maybe some TV time or homework time, whatever that is, you know, that's probably averaging about 10 to 12 hours per day. And if if you think about that then in terms of the numbers, an increased risk of about 50% in terms of cardiovascular disease, it's huge. And so having these boundaries in place, keeping mobile um, and having these movement breaks is, is hugely important. It doesn't tend to impact, it's not so much in terms of um, energy expenditure per se, because you know there, there, are, there is some research in, for example, standing desks, but actually the, the impact of those on, on energy expenditure tends to be minimal it is that idea of just sitting sitting down and, and, and being prolonged in the same position that's the bit that I think people don't really um or isn't really explained very well I think in the media or in headlines that report these kind of scary stats at the moment the fact that it is the time sitting because you can be at home moving around the house or you can have quite an active role you don't have to go to a gym to burn excess amount of energy in one go it's throughout the day it's the course of the day and it could be as simple as I think people could take calls on the move or walk around a lot more so if if your boss allows it I mean it would be nice wouldn't it if everybody could do um, walks in the park while they um, they're on the phone to a business meeting or something but do you think that food has a bigger impact on our weight or exercise because I know that's a very very heavily debated topic yeah, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, it is food. You know, we've all heard that saying, whether we agree or not, in terms of you can't outtrain a bad diet. Yeah. And I don't particularly like that phrase per se. But the premise of that is correct. If we look at, say, people that go to the gym, that is about four percent of our of our day, four percent of our daily energy expenditure. Uh, meat has a bigger impact, so non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So, like you said, taking walks in the park, taking walking meetings, which, by the way, Richard Branson apparently does. Um, Amazing. I used to do that. Yeah, I used to do it with my students when I lectured. I'd take them out for a walk as we had a meeting. You're the so... best lecturer. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I tried anything to impress the students, um, yeah. but that you know that has a bigger impact. And, and so, neat when we look at it in terms of our overall energy expenditure contributes about up to 15% of our daily energy expenditure more so if we are doing things like walking so but food is something that you know predominates in our day we eat a minimum usually of three times per day and you know that has the that ultimately does have the greatest effect but what we don't want to do is kind of ignore the fact that exercise neat movement going to the gym and, and training 
has a lot of beneficial effects outside of energy expenditure and it has a lot of um, cardiometabolic effects so we don't want to ignore that but in terms of our body composition and our body weight ultimately it predominantly does come down to food Oh, exactly. Music to my ears. Everything you just said, because I feel exercise should be noted as part of a healthy, balanced lifestyle. If, if you're going to have good heart health as you age, looking after your bones, your muscle mass, it, it has a role in your mood. So there are so many positives, but it is mistaken. This whole, I'm going to go and burn off, I don't know, 200 calories when I do this one bit of exercise. Therefore, I'm going to eat something that's the equivalent of that and it doesn't matter it's just wrong because it's not that simple and as you said your overall diet the quality of your diet is so so important the amount of fiber that you consume things it's not as simple as reading a number on the pack because calories came around of course as a rough estimation originally and they will never ever be a hundred percent accurate because we are all unique So we do need to make good dietary choices rather than just thinking about, I think, numbers a lot of the time. Of course, it can have a place, but a lot of the misconception is that you can just outrun it all the time, which obviously you can't. And then there's the environment and that impacts our diet. Because if you live somewhere, I know that when I lived um, in, where's a good example, Camden. So when I first moved to London, I moved from the countryside to Camden. I mean, you could not get a bigger contrast. It was back in the Amy Winehouse days. It was buzzing and there were takeout pizzas on every single corner. I was just completely and utterly in awe of all the food that I could suddenly get access to. And I think I probably ate a lot more fast food if you if you use that expression than i did when i lived in the country so do you think environment does play a huge role as well yeah absolutely and if we think about it in terms of specifically the workplaces we're speaking about today you know external factors do have a huge impact on our on our self-control again for want of a better term and when we look at why we have these kind of fluctuations in self-control and why we feel like we have lost willpower or we failed in our self-control in some way. Usually it's because of either how we think about our situations or our actual environment and the situation that we are objectively in. And so, you know, we can, we want to try and tackle both of these things in terms of how we think and our environment. And when we think about the work environment, there are so many things that we can manage in terms of our food environment and also you know our colleagues our colleagues have a huge impact in terms of of what we eat at work from making us feel guilty for not just having mm. one or mm. you know going out for lunch all of these things are all classes kind of these external food environment that will massively impact our self-control and decision making so you know it's important for our employers I think to to support us in setting up that that environment but it's also important for us to be mindful of the environment that that we are potentially putting ourselves in and the conversations that we are allowing ourselves to have with other people it's not just a case of for example removing food out of the staff room as a kind of really basic example there because sometimes it's a projection of someone's own feelings and I have to have this conversation so frequently with a lot of my clients because peer pressure is huge and often if someone's feeling like they don't want to eat something they'll try and give it off to you or there's the classic there's always the person that has the chocolate going around the office perhaps they don't want to eat it themselves so they give it away to other people there's a lot of psychology involved in the workplace environment it's definitely not simple and like like you said I think 
employees do have a responsibility to try and create a healthy work environment. And I have seen that happen. I've done a lot of corporate talks in the city of London and around the UK where officers are really making headway with offering healthy options, but also tasty, you know, not just boring plate of leaves, like an actual balanced, great meal based on a Mediterranean style diet. And that is definitely happening. But it is obviously important, isn't it, that we do what we can before and after work as well. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's important. You know, simple things like making sure that we've prepared in advance. One thing that actually I find really helpful with um, the people that I work with is that they often find that they try they don't eat so much at work because they don't allow to, themselves to have those breaks, and then they get home from work and they mm. are they are really hungry. They're starving. So rather than sitting down and having a nice family meal, they start to cook because they're not prepared and they find themselves snacking a lot even before they sit down and have their dinner Mm -hmm. so really simple things like making sure that you have snacks with you eating sometimes before you actually leave the office so that you can go home and have a mindful meal with your family and actually enjoy it It, it, it's they're very small habits but they can really impact how you eat both before work and after work Oh, it's so important. The one with snacking, especially if you've got a commute, I would always tell clients to have a piece of fruit or a bag of nuts or something in their bag so they can have something so they don't walk through the door ravenous. You're right. I think a lot of poor dietary choices are made when you are simply starving. And to be honest, that's not even your willpower. That is human nature telling you, I am hungry. Give me food. Give it to me now. And I think it's a very difficult thing to um, override. So please, if anyone's listening, please don't put any negative um emotions and feelings on yourself and criticism because actually that is just human nature but if you do get a bit savvy like Amelia said and and get a bit prepared I do think that can help and I think even being prepared with your lunch so a lot of people buy out now because you know lunch there's a lot of good options out there but what about making your own lunch because if we can make time to even just have two lunch boxes a week that will probably save you money and better nutrition wouldn't you agree Amelia? Yeah absolutely and and I mean it does just take some preparation but it will you know what I find an issue with eating out is that they tend to be low in protein you don't really know what's actually in a lot in a lot of the food and we know for example that food labels even if you're buying pre-packaged food out food labels can vary up to 20% in regards to what's actually in the food in terms of the macronutrients so Cooking foods in advance and meals that are high in protein, packed with vegetables and fibre are are really helpful. And, you know, I think where I find people struggle are people who are um, vegan or vegetarian. They find it a lot more difficult to to prep in advance, partly because vegetables maybe go off quicker. Um, But things like something that I think is really useful are those pastas that are are, uh, chickpea pastas or lentil pastas, which are really high in protein, but you can keep them in the fridge for days and you can Mm. just pack in some some fresh vegetables in there before you go to work and having things like bags of salad in, in the fridge that you can just pack on top of whatever you've prepared, keeps it fresh, but also allows you just to kind of eat more in line with your in your with your goals 
That's so true about, um, so I, I do often find with, with uh, plant-based options now, I mean, there's so many tasty ones, but they're not devised by nutritionists, so they're not nutritionally balanced, and that's such an important point to make, and you see a lot of really snazzy, and don't get me wrong, of course, they'll probably be delicious, like jackfruit, for instance, is a classic alternative that actually isn't very sustainable, but is being used in a lot of products. But there is no protein. It, it's it's a fruit. It, it doesn't really contain. Well, it doesn't contain any protein. <laughs> it's it's being used to replace a protein in a meal. And Amelia's right. That's not going to satisfy you fully, and it's not going to give you the nutrition you need. Whereas a can of beans at home or pulses and things you can chuck in with your pasta is going to be way more nutritious and there have been discussions as well i think um made around the snacks that people should go for and that they shouldn't go for and the government did come out with this whole i don't know what your thoughts were on this 100 calorie snack thing a while ago do you remember that yes i do remember that <laughs> i yeah i think that, that i don't think that's particularly helpful ultimately if we are looking at this in a very reductionist view in terms of weight management we know that calories are indeed kind of top of the tier they are the most important thing for weight management but it's so reductionist and it really removes the emphasis on any sort of healthful nutrition whatsoever calories are just a measure of energy you know we have to be very very mindful of negating all these healthful constructs of food by solely focusing on calories and you know what if a banana is 130 calories but you know, a, a cocoa pops or other cereal bar is, you know, <laughs> 70 calories. Yeah. Is, is that one, you know, which is better? Obviously the banana because it's higher in fiber. But if you're going by these 100 calorie guidelines, then you are completely negating all of the other benefits that that piece of fruit will have versus the cereal bar. So I think it's important. Calorie education, I think, is important. But I often, I don't really think that our, the obesity epidemic that we have at the moment is because we don't understand calories. I don't think that that's really the key issue here. No, I agree. And what, what worried me as well about this is obviously it's going to impact choices that people going to work make, which will impact their concentration or productivity potentially, but it's also targeted at children. And, you know, you want kids to be eating fruit and vegetables, but as you quite rightly said, a banana may be more than 100 calories. So, you know, people might end up going for these crisp packets that are not nutritionally balanced. It's, it's extremely confusing. And being unhappy in general as well in your life, perhaps you're going to work, let's say, you're stressed, you are not making good choices at the moment, you're lacking motivation. And this can often lead to people wanting to eat more anyway, doesn't it? And opting for more snacks as well. But how would you advise someone to tackle this type of boredom? Because I think at a 100 calorie snack message is probably not going to be right for that type of person either. Absolutely. And I actually think in these situations, we need to take the emphasis away from the actual food and put the emphasis on the feeling. Yes. And this is the issue that I think our society has at the moment is that we are we have been conditioned not to feel we have been conditioned to have a stiff upper lip mm -hmm. and not discuss or acknowledge how we actually feel. And when we do this, we then turn to things like food as a way to distract ourselves so that we don't allow ourselves to feel or potentially to actually suppress these feelings and you know if you look there, there's a, some really interesting research that looks at what happens when we try and suppress our feelings with food so if we're say for example stressed or bored and we don't allow ourselves to feel it is that we actually end up taking that negative feeling and it leads to an increased consumption in calories specifically from these kind of quote-unquote 
comfort foods. Whereas if we acknowledge the feeling and we reappraise the, the feeling and so sort of put a, almost a positivity spin on it, we end up eating fewer calories. So it really starts with the kind of take it, when we feel that something is, is going on, we feel that maybe boredom is kicking in, that we actually take a pause. And that's the hardest part for people to do is just to stop for a second yeah. and check in and say, you know, what do I feel right now? And doing something as simple as just naming your feeling, whether that be boredom or frustration or sadness, and then asking yourself, what will support this specific feeling? And if it's boredom, the chances are that, you know, a chocolate bar is not going to entertain you as much as coffee with your colleague is going to to entertain mm. you. And I think, you know, in the workplace, it's important for our employers to allow that flexibility where it's possible that says, you know, if you are bored, you can just take 20 minutes out and, and have coffee with your work colleague rather than having to stay at your desk and continue to work. And the only distraction that you have for yourself is food. Mm. So, I think that we really I just think the important part here is really focusing on the emotion and the feeling rather than saying I'm just going to not have that food there, which can be helpful short term, but I'm actually going to look at how I manage and regulate my emotions. Yeah, is it feeling? Is it a fact? That's exactly the right approach because the psychological implications dictate the health behaviour change and dictate the food that you go to. If it's a coping strategy at that time, as Amelia said that isn't going to cut it. You need social interaction. And I do think sometimes there's this very old school, like you mentioned earlier, stiff upper lip kind of approach that we have. I don't know what it's like in other countries. I'd love some feedback actually from our listeners. But in the UK in particular, it's the longer you work, the earlier you get to work, the later you leave, you shouldn't stop. It's not fashionable to take a lunch break. You definitely should be just slaving away. I don't think this attitude gets the most out of employers and employees and it doesn't help them be healthy and it doesn't help them make the right decisions and no wonder we're in a bit of a problem I think with um, with our weight, with our health, with our enjoyment and our happiness, I mean rates of depression are soaring, everything is... I'm sounding a bit doom and gloom now, but what I'm trying to say is that the positive thing would be if you are an employer listening, why don't you try and implement that necessary lunch break time with all your employees? Get them to have a chat. Do something about the food you offer. Get people in to do talks like Amelia and myself and, and different, I don't know, psychologists or lifestyle coaches and PTs and get a bit of a kind of health initiative going. I mean, what would be some simple suggestions that you would put forward, Amelia, to um, encourage people to be healthier and happier at work? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I think you've covered quite a lot of them there. I completely agree with what you've said. I think things like encouraging flexibility in breaks so that you can take a break when you acknowledge that you are feeling a certain way that may well lead to eating. Managing food environment is, is a basic. So, you know, when somebody brings in cake for the office, rather than having it out on the table, just put it in the cupboard, you know, leave a note that says there's cake in the cupboard should you want it. But removing it from people's visibility is, is really helpful in terms of helping them to make easier decisions for themselves. And because that's ultimately what we do is we make our nutrition choices, <clears throat> excuse me, based on ease a lot of the time. So if, mm. if it's easiest to have that food, uh, the cake that's left out in the staff room, then we will we'll make that decision. So, you know, managing the food environment in that way. One thing that my old workplace did was actually provided activity trackers for a week as part of, kind of a wellness week, which was really insightful for people who sat at their desks all day and realized how little they moved throughout the day um encouraging communication rather than stifling our employees and asking them just to keep working actually encourage members of staff to just talk to each other and to talk to their bosses about how they feel is great and actually something that i tried to implement in my work before i left was actually a space for it was, a, it was a mindfulness room. So really it was a space for a breather where you could go and sit in silence for five minutes and just take some breaths because often that's all we need is to bring ourselves back to that, to the present moment, acknowledge how we feel and then carry on with our day. So I think it's rather than just focusing on one aspect, it's about managing the food environment, managing employees' um, ability to communicate and to, and to feel and also then managing space for exercise. So thing, having things like bike racks, showers at work, so people can actually run to work or you know take be more mm. active on their way. I think we need to kind of tackle it from those three facets, so to speak, and cover all bases. I love that. I hadn't even thought about that. The facilities, if you want to get a bit sweaty on your way to work. And interestingly now, I know at the train stations in London, um, they're now even facilitating um, hand washing when you get there as well. So if train stations can put hand washing sinks in, surely your employee can provide something a little bit similar along those lines for mm. you to feel like you can actually freshen up when you get to work. Um, I completely agree. I do think that nutrition talks in particular have become very popular, haven't they? Um, especially since lockdown. Do you think that education as well would make a huge difference for everybody working at the moment? Yeah, I do think that that's really important. And I have some, I've seen some really great company wellness weeks that incorporate nutrition talks alongside things like mindfulness and um, health and well-being. I think we do have a bit of a problem in that sense, in that those who often deliver the content may not well be kind of experts in that yeah. area. Often they are people that are in-house and so they lack that the really key correct nutritional information which i which i think is is troubling but if we can get the right experts in i think you know the education is important but i think it's what's really important is that it filters down from the top that we allow space for our employees to do this and i have seen people who put these wellness weeks in, into place and they may for example talk about the importance of um 
I don't know, mindfulness say, but they don't offer any space to do that. And so I think education is the first step, but actually making these making it easy for employees to do this and to implement the things that they are they are exposed to is actually I think that's the kind of key sticking point in my experience in terms of why people are not able to implement it. So, you know, it's not just for employers to to, to tackle that. It's it's up to employees to actually have that open communication. But unfortunately, not all workplaces ha- allow that type of uh, communication and feedback. And I think that's they struggle the most. Yeah, no, um, that's extremely interesting. I know off the top of my head, a few people that I really want to listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully these companies can take that on board. Um, I've got some questions now from my listeners that I select over the course of the year. You know, I get asked all the time and I save them up for the podcast. So these are relating to obviously workplace weight. And Delphi has asked, um, and this is one that we get, yeah, I'm sure you get all the time. What actually is the right portion size that I should be having at each meal? Uh, my, this is, this is, I think this is quite a difficult question because it for is. me, my answer would be what allows you to feel satisfied, what allows you to eat to hunger, um, and that, uh, that allows you to feel satisfied for the next two to three hours or until you can next eat, rather than a specific quantity per se you know there are those guidelines and I'm sure you've spoken about these before in terms of what a protein portion size should look like on a plate but I actually think often we can fall uh, we, we fall into that habit of trusting guidelines and numbers and calories before we trust ourselves and and I often find that if we can truly listen to our hunger and fullness that's the ideal size. It's just that that's quite difficult for people to do, especially when they are not mindful in their eating practices and they are busy and they're stressed. Yeah, and this this is where we have a complete disconnect from knowing what our hunger cues are and when we're satisfied, when we're full, when we're hungry. And really, like you said earlier, allowing yourself to feel as well um, because the lines can get very blurred and it can get very confusing. Um, but yeah, it's a rough kind of guide. You can use hand size portions, but it is, again, very individual. Um, Alice has said, by working from home, I find myself snacking far more than I did in the office. How can I stop doing this? Welcome, Alice, <laughs> to, to 2020. I yeah. think there are, yeah, there are a couple of things. And I think actually some of the things we've spoken about today are really important. Things like managing your food environment. If you, if you work from your kitchen, that's that's very difficult because you are surrounded by food so working in an environment ideally away from the food and also managing why you like figuring out why you're eating because it likely is boredom and so having a list of strategies that allow you to entertain yourself away from food is great so that when you do feel that that boredom kicking in you can refer back to that list and say this actually makes me feel good so I'm going to do this now rather than eat and also a key reason I think why people snack is because they are not allowing themselves to eat to satisfaction in their meals. So actually they they eat a meal that they think they should have. It looks mean, you know, it looks quote unquote healthy, but actually maybe it wasn't satisfying. And one hour later they are in the biscuit cupboard snacking. When if they just had a bigger meal to begin with, with you know maybe some more um, that higher fat intake, for example, some more carbohydrates in that meal, some more fiber then actually they wouldn't be snacking because they would be satisfied. I think that's a quite a key one that yeah. especially dieters fall into that very often. Yeah, no, a hundred, a hundred percent. It's very, very key that that is. 
Um, Henry has also asked, um, I've got into the habit of ordering lunch. I've gotten, I, I've definitely been there as well, nearly every day during the week. How can I make better choices? Yeah, I think if you want to continue to order your lunch, which is fine, trying to pick meals that, that have a protein base is helpful. So, you know, avoiding things like jackfruit, jackfruit tacos is kind of one idea if we were on plant-based menus, avoiding foods that are low in protein and focusing foods that are, are higher in protein and higher in, in vegetables. And that's kind of quite difficult for menus, but lean protein sources are generally quite obvious on, on menus, things like uh, chicken and, and fish, for example, and basing your meal around that. And also remembering that you don't have to finish the, the meal that you order and you know often when we order food the, the portion sizes are a lot bigger than we would serve at home but allowing yourself to keep some of that food for later in the day it seems you know we are so again pre-conditioned pre to finish everything on our plate usually because when we were children our parents told us that you know there were starving children so we had to finish everything on our plate until we mm. before we got down from the table which we have moved away from but that has kind of trickled into adulthood where we are scared to leave food because we feel that it's wasteful but actually enjoying that meal and saying i will keep the rest of this for a snack later or for tomorrow's lunch can be really a kind of simple way to manage almost your energy intake in, in that sense from eating takeaway or takeout foods yeah no exactly very very good advice there amelia and the last question we've got from kaya is um like so many i'm working from home until 2021 I'm so busy that I can't get out during the day and I'm not eating well. Any quick and easy tips that I can do? That, that's, that is tough. I think yeah. the first and most important thing is trying to establish some sort of boundary for yourself. And I know that it, I know how tough it is, especially if you have a family at home and I'm in a privileged position where I live on my own so I can easily mm. say, take breaks when you want. But I know that that's not always the case. But ultimately, any employer, regardless of how long your working day is, has to allow at least 10 minutes for a lunch break at some point. So making sure that you hold yourself accountable to that. Realistically, we we kind of fall into this narrative where we tell ourselves that we're too busy to eat when really taking a 10 minute mental break where we allow ourselves to eat will probably improve our productivity for the next hour. So I think that's, I don't think that that's a good enough excuse not to take a break, that we are too busy. I think that there's always 10 minutes somewhere in the day that we can do that, unless, you know, we're in surgery or, or something that doesn't allow that so much. But having some sort of even small boundary is, is really important. And also preparing things the night before, and it doesn't have to be three square meals that you're preparing and putting into Tupperware and putting them in your fridge having things like Greek yogurts and, and fruit and nuts that are ready so that when you do have a quick five minutes, you can reach for these kind of higher fiber, higher protein options without any stress. They become your snack food, which is a lot healthier than your snack food being a biscuit or a cereal bar, which are of course fine in moderation. So I think preparation in these situations is really important. And again, we spoke about it earlier, but having those kind of five minute movement breaks or standing, standing at your desk. Um, that's not always possible at home, but you can just use boxes. And I used to do yeah. that in my office, having a box under my computer just to, to stand so that you can just move a little bit. You know, I dance at my desk, for example, just <laughs> allows you to move. The All of these tiny little things are really what's important for her rather than trying to overhaul something completely because that, that's obviously not feasible. 
I love the dancing one. It's only something I've started doing recently, but if I'm having a bit of a low mood, I put on one of my favorite songs and me and Zachary will just have a little like jig around the kitchen a little bit before, before I get back on to work again. But um, thank you. Thank you for answering those. Uh, we're now going to move on to our fact or fiction round. Are you ready? I am. Here we go. If you could answer fact or fiction to the following. Lack of sleep drives weight gain. Fact. Snacking is bad for you. Fiction. A lunchtime walk can avoid an afternoon slump. Fact. A piece of fruit in between meals will help manage your weight. Using a small plate is a clever way to maintain portion sizes. Fact. Bringing in your own lunch will help stabilise your weight. Uh, fact. <laughs> I love that. I could hear it going either way there. So, oh, um, a few sweets won't make a difference to your weight. Fact. Spending lots of time using screens won't impact your overall weight. Fiction. Stress will only make your appetite stronger. Fiction. Well done. That was a great, you were so precise. It's really hard because some of them, there's so much nuance, isn't there? You could easily yeah. say, you know, bringing your own lunch, what depends what's in your lunchbox yeah. um, to work. But well, I thought you did that perfectly. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really sad actually, because that nearly wraps up our episode today. And we finish every episode with a food for thought. Um, and I'll start today by, I think, just reiterating that we know one approach doesn't suit everyone. And it's something I say all the time that we are all as unique as our personalities. And I think honing in on our jobs is a key place to look at because we spend such a large percentage of our lives working. It's something that it so, sounds so simple, but it's so overlooked. You spend probably more time working, unfortunately, than you may do with your family during the week or your friends or loved ones. Um, and that can have such a profound effect on your mental health and your physical health. So do take on board any of the changes we've had today. Perhaps if your employer is open to a few suggestions, you could also maybe do that. Um, and I guess from a nutritionist point of view, from me today, it would be if you can have a say over one of your meals in a day, then try and optimize it if you can and do something that you enjoy. Um, Amelia, if you could leave our listeners with a food for thought today, what would that be? I would say that the key really in this situation is, is to be mindful, you know, mindful of your food environment, your opportunities for movement, and also mindful of how you feel, your emotions, especially stress, for example, that's triggered in this kind of working environment. And know your boundaries so that you are less likely to be impacted by others, colleagues, employers, and put strategies in place that are going to support you in advance of situations that you know are going to inevitably arise. So having strategies in place that allow your decision making processes to be easier will support you in your overall in your overall goals, um, whether that be body composition or improving your health and well-being. There you go. So precise, so perfectly executed. Amelia, where can our listeners go to find out more about you and the work that you do? The best places are my website, which is www.emilia.fitness, and my Instagram page is Emilia Thompson PhD. That's where I'm most active, really. 
Wonderful. Amelia, it's lovely to have another registered nutritionist on Food for Thought. Thank you so much for giving up your time today. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll absolutely love what's coming next week. So make sure that you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. If you have time to, we'd really appreciate it if you want to leave a review so that we can reach those higher highs in the charts and hopefully help more people. That is our mission here with this podcast. For more information about my Retrition Clinic, the books, healthy recipes, and so much more, please visit Retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.